Welcome to Sup Babe. Welcome to Sub Babe, your one-stop shop for stories, trends, and PSAs so you can live your best life. I'm your host, DJ Rosé, but you can call me Nicole. I'm a serial entrepreneur, fashion lover, and music addict. I'm like Cher from Clueless, but with a little more brains and a little less flaunt. Today on the show, I have a very, very special guest, and we're chatting how to eat your stress and keep your summer bod. Hi, Jillian. Welcome to Sup, Babe. How are you, my dear? Hi, Nicole. I am great. Thank you so much for having me. I'm thrilled to be here. Thank you so much for coming on. I'm so excited to have you here because I think what we're going to talk about is really timely and probably on every single female's mind right now. And a lot of men's mind, too. And a lot of men's <laughs> mind, too. You're right. Like, my ex was so concerned with his body. He would, like, lift up his shirt. I won't do that on Zoom. But he would look in the mirror all the time, and I would be like, what are you doing? I mean, and he was just checking himself out every day, make sure the abs were still there. I think we're all getting a little bit obsessed with... Um, Is that a summer bod on. thing? I think it's a summer <laughs> bod thing. I think it's a quarantine thing. I think it's what's going on in the world right now thing. It's just kind of um, happening with everyone everywhere right now, for sure. <laughs> True. I love that. So I guess I wanted to give a little bit of background on you just because I know you were friends now. I really like think that you've improved my life so much. So I thought I would say a word and then I will have you fill in anything that I left out that you want to add and then we'll get into it. So guys, most of you may not know this. People that are close to me know this. It's a little personal, but... I'm not afraid to go there, um, but I uh, I've actually been suffering for about two and a half years from incredibly severe allergies. For about the first year, nobody knew what the hell was going on with me. I saw so many doctors, I had so many tests. Thousands of dollars later, people were like, maybe it's allergies. So I finally went to an allergist and the allergist was like, yep, it's allergies. So guess what? It turns out I'm allergic to New York City. I'm allergic to dust, cockroaches, and mold, which is literally living in New York. And I happen to also be severely allergic to Little Disco, my little adopted rescue puppy that is my everything in life. And, you know, once you adopt, it's not really an option to be like, hey, uh, can you guys um take him back? It's just not working out so well. <laughs> so... <laughs> So um, that's led me down a journey to try to figure out how to rebalance my health. I saw two different GIs and my allergist started on a year of allergy shots. I was improving a little and then quarantine hit me in the face with a whole nother set of challenges like I'm sure many of you feel. And I was unable to really regulate myself and my body and my allergies without the allergy shots anymore. I had not been able to fully complete them. And I finally decided that it was time to go take a non-traditional look for somebody that might have more of a holistic, functional approach to the body. I had literally almost given up. And then one of my best friends, Kiara, if you're listening, I love you. She recommended Jillian for me to speak to about my issues. Jillian literally gave me my life back. So this is not an ad for her. This is just, I want people to know that if you had an experience like mine, there are options out there for you. Or if you're just trying to work on your summer bod, there are so many options out there for you. 
I know, you know, it doesn't seem like I was that sick, but really I was. Sometimes I would be in bed up until getting out of bed to get hair and makeup done, go to a gig, take one cute photo, and call it a night. So... You know, back on to Jillian, her model is that everyone can heal, which I love from the minute I spoke to her. I really believed that this was someone, even though everyone couldn't help me, that really had a different approach. She's a registered dietitian with a master's in nutrition from NYU. Before building her private practice, she was head of nutrition for the trendy vitamin company Care Of, which I also love and actually take. So she just has a more holistic approach. She looks at your nutrition, your genetics, your energy, everything as a whole to kind of facilitate healing throughout your whole body rather than just looking at one organ like a traditional doctor would. I have to say, too, when we first met, she asked me like really deep questions that no one had ever asked me before about my background. Like, how many times did you get strep throat as a child? A lot. (laughs) And it was like deeper than a first date. So... Without further ado, I want Jillian to fill in anything that I missed on why she's the right woman to teach us how you can eat your stress and still look hot. Thank you so much, Nicole. And I'm so thrilled that you're feeling better. It's been such a joy to help you get there. And um, I love what you said. And it's so true. Everyone really can heal. And there are a lot of people like you and like me in the past, which I'll get to in a minute, who um, have been told time and time again that like, we don't know, we don't know how to help you and they look fine, right? And they're functioning. Mm-hmm. So the additional the additional stress and, and pain of navigating through life without anyone really having compassion that they actually are struggling, even if they look great in a picture or at their event, mm-hmm. right? Whatever it is, you know, it's like, no, I'm still, I don't feel well. I don't feel good. I know that there's more to that. And there always is, there's mm-hmm. always an option. And um, like you said, I'm a holistic dietitian and I really love the word holistic because I really do encompass a lot of everything. A lot of people use that word and they only use it to mean, oh, we talk about your food. It's like food is one component, yes, for sure. But the more that I've learned in my own health journey and the more that I've learned in my practice is that it's only one component. It's one tool and it's certainly a very powerful tool. But if we're not addressing past trauma that the body's storing at a physical level, if we're not addressing, you know, what brings us joy and how we cultivate joy, how we actually live, all the other parts of ourselves, how many times someone holds our hand, right? Things that we objectively know actually really do add up to health and wellness and really do affect like mortality. If we're not actually taking all those things into account, it's actually not truly holistic healing. I totally love that. Just to chime in there, I was actually reading a New York Times article, I'll have to send it to you, on just like the power of human touch. And you'll appreciate this fact. You were just talking about handholding. They said that when you meet somebody and you sit down for a meeting or, you know, a drink with a new person and you guys shake hands, that experience right there of that emotional connection is worth three hours of in-person FaceTime, of building rapport. 100%. 100%. It's something that we're, like, talk about what we're all missing right now, not all of us are lucky enough to be with a partner right now, um, physically present or with the children or, or parents or whatever it is. A lot of people are actually physically alone. And because of social distancing, we're actually losing that even more. Right. And for all we know, handshakes might be eliminated from our culture. I know so that's definitely something we definitely need to be aware of. Back to my background. I'm, I'm a holistic dietitian. I'm also a Reiki healer and an herbalist, like you said. And my path to, to doing what I do is really circuitous. I had been very sick myself. I had undiagnosed Lyme disease for many, many years, a connective tissue disease, loads of GI problems. Um, and it wasn't until I went to a functional medicine doctor, this is back 10, 12 years before it was a trendy thing or before everyone knew what gluten was. And that was my first experience on a healing diet. Um, I had had a pretty severe eating disorder when I was younger. And so my only thought about food at that point was, is it taste good or is it going to make me fat, right? Not really 
how does this affect my body? How do I feel? And I had a very, very long healing journey ahead of me, but within three or four weeks, I started feeling so much better. And it's like, wait a second, like, how is it I went to a great school? I grew up in a smart family, went to the best doctors, and no one once talked about any of this. And so I went and I pursued my master's degree in science in it. And along the way, I really accumulated all these other like tertiary uh, complementary medicine styles, whether it's iridology or reading the irises or various applied kinesiology, a lot of things that are not necessarily grounded in hard science. But my experience has really had really led me to believe how incredibly helpful they can be and how they can really be used certainly in addition to being an adjunct to real science um, and foundational medicine. And so really blending all those things together, also bringing in my empathy for having been so sick for so long, um, really has led me to create a practice that I just love so much. I help people restore their joy, right? And really that's what it's about. I help, I help people feel safe in their body. And You're like Marie Kondo, but for the body. <laughs> I really, yes, I love that. That's, that's amazing. What brings you joy? So Jillian, I want to get into the meat of our combo today. So I personally know, especially under lockdown, under everything that our world is going through right now, I stress eat like a lunatic. It's definitely like not one of my finer qualities. You put me in a box of Cheez-Its in a room and somebody's going to lose and it's not me, right? So um, I was just wondering, do you also stress eat? And maybe could you define what that is? Because like, I, I think even just knowing exactly what stress eating is helps people identify when they're doing it, if it makes sense. Absolutely. Um, stress, the term stress eating and the term emotional eating are used a lot interchangeably. And really, it, it, it is what it sounds like. It's when you're propelled to eat or you're finding yourself eating from an emotional motivation, from your emotions rather than physiologic hunger. Now, sometimes we eat related to our emotions when we want to celebrate someone's birthday and we aren't necessarily hungry or dying of, of, of hunger, but we have a piece of cake because we're in a celebratory mood. So emotional eating or, or having that as the genesis for why we're um, eating is not always a bad thing, but when we're talking about stress eating, it's actually usually coming from a negative place. It's usually coming from a place of wanting to control our emotions through food and or actually wanting to numb out our feelings. And one of the most helpful things that people can ask, first, being aware of it is really important, right? A simple check-in before you reach for the chips. What am I trying not to feel? Interesting. What am I trying, what am I trying not to feel? And if it's, if you identify and you name it and you still want to eat, like, great, eat. But have, but having that awareness changes what the experience of it is. That makes sense. And to answer your question, do I stress eat? A hundred percent. I, of course I would be a total lie and a, and a fake if I said no. Um, it goes in waves for me for sure. I also definitely know, and I'm lucky that I have the awareness that if I notice that I have, or my body's changing and I'm thinking back, what have I been doing and thinking about the last few weeks, it usually is for me, anxiety is a big propeller, mm -hmm. uh, for stress eating. And a lot of times interpersonal relationships, whether my romantic partnership or friendships, that's usually the biggest trigger. I for anxiety me drink. Anxiety. Is that like a thing? <laughs> That is 100% that's a thing. That's definitely a major thing, of course, because it's still like it's numbing out from your reality for stress sure. Stress eating and, and stress so, drinking are pretty pretty much linked. <laughs> definitely a thing. And, um, you know, having that awareness. And also, I really try, and sometimes it's not comfortable to say, like, what am I trying not to feel? Yeah. Like, let's unravel this. Let's have some hard conversations so that I'm not holding on to all this anxiety, which is then coming out in my behaviors around food. So you first recognize, am I eating because I'm hungry or not? And if you're not hungry, then you take it a step further and you say, why am I eating right now? Is there something that I'm trying to avoid? Am I feeling some type of Correct. way? Correct. And also just in terms of timing, if you know that you've had like a balanced meal at like 12 o'clock for lunch and you find yourself in the kitchen, like 
like mm-hmm. ravishing through a cupboards or whatever it is an hour and a half later you're like wait let's hold the phone let's roll it back like i can't possibly be physiologically hungry because i had my fat my protein my carbohydrate i ate a good balanced solid meal let me drink a glass of water because maybe I'm dehydrated because that's sometimes something if people think that they are hungry. And then check in with yourself about your emotions. What am I trying to avoid? Or am I procrastinating doing my, doing my work? Because procrastination, all procrastination is, is um, a tool to regulate our emotions. Right. And I feel like everyone is, you know, because you were locked in the house most of the time, people are procrastinating in their kitchens. A hundred percent. Exactly. We're not usually around this. A hundred percent. We're not usually around food the way that we have been. Right. I mean, I see myself doing it. I have literally started locking myself on a different floor of the house than the kitchen so that I, it's not so easy to go and just like, you know, rum, rummage through the pantry and see. You know, like it's easy to joke about, but that's actually a smart thing because sometimes we just mindlessly find ourselves there, right? We all know that like whenever we're at home or whatever it is, everyone congregates in the kitchen anyway. It's a social place. Food is social, right? Sure. And if we're constantly around that, I found myself doing that too. I was doing work on the kitchen counter and I would just like every like hour and a half or two hours, I'd like grab something. It's like, I don't feel good grazing. This doesn't feel good in my body. Like I'm not actually hungry. Like let me go downstairs or upstairs away from the kitchen. So I think what you're doing is smart. (laughs) Thank you. I probably learned it from you somewhere. Um, So I guess my next question too is like, what kind of foods do people typically stress eat? And what would you recommend to have a great body this summer that they replace those foods with? Does that sure, make sense? Absolutely. Well, there's actually no surprise to anyone. There's been a, and there's been a lot of research that people, when they're stress eating, are, are reaching for those high fat, sugary comfort foods. And they're comfort foods for a reason because, in terms of physiologically, it actually binds to cortisol receptors, which is that feedback loop for stress. Mm-hmm. So it actually kind of calms down stress. But then the behavior around what you do it actually propels more stress. So it's this feedback loop that's hard to break. I always feel guilty when I eat too much. So, And and then does that, exactly, you feel guilty, you beat yourself up, and then that's not actually setting a foundation for making choices for yourself. Because who makes, no one makes the best choices for themselves when like they're feeling shitty about themselves. It just doesn't happen, right? People are usually making choices that aren't great for them when they're feeling, and all of a sudden when you're feeling great, you love how you look, you love how you feel, those are the times you're making the best decisions because you want to keep that up. That's a feedback loop too. That's a positive feedback loop. So- You're bringing up such a good point right there. I want to pause and hit that home for our listeners. The decisions that you make in your life start with what you do to your body on a granular level. So if you wake up and you work out and you eat well throughout your day, you're going to be inclined to ask for that raise to tell somebody when something they did is totally inappropriate to speak up and advocate for yourself to not let the shitty boyfriend get you down. (laughs) Absolutely. And it's not just exercise. It's not just behavior. It's our negative self-talk is like the biggest like mojo killer out there, right? And we all are guilty of doing it. And when we're able to interrupt that loop, like shit, magic shit happens, right? For sure. And I think that's the worst part about quarantine. I'm left talking to myself all the time and I'm a crazy bitch. Right. And we can convince ourselves of anything. We've all stared at the mirror long enough where we're like psyched about what our body looks like the first minute. And then by like minute eight, we're like, oh no, this is bad, right? Like our brain can play tricks on us and it's our job to really intercept and say like, no, not interested in that cycle, like like next, right? So yeah. Totally. So Jillian, I want to ask you, because I think this will probably be really helpful for everybody. What kind of foods or how do you recommend that we structure our diet to help reduce our stress levels, especially, you know, given everything going on right now, reduce stress levels as well as help us look as toned as we can? Sure, absolutely. So um, a lot of people by now have heard of the term microbiome, and um, that really is about the ecosystem of beneficial 
bacteria, yeast, fungi that reside in our gut. And it's responsible for 70 to 80% of our immune system. And what some people might not know is our neurotransmitters like serotonin is actually synthesized in our gut. So if we have impaired gut function, we're not going to synthesize the neurotransmitters that we need to feel calm, happy, healthy, psyched, motivated, all the things that we need and we want, right? And that makes so much sense for me too. 100%, <laughs> right? And that's why sometimes if our, if our gut is off, we get some brain fog too, right? Like it's, it's a direct, yeah. direct, um, direct line, okay? So we want to eat in a way that makes sure that we're actually nourishing that. And how do we nourish that? With, with fruits and vegetables, um, with fatty acids, whether it's salmon or avocado or walnuts, really limiting our refined carbohydrates because when we have those refined sugars, that's feeding the pathogenic, the bad bacteria in our gut, which can shift the balance off to a non-beneficial place and where it's not synthesizing those neurotransmitters at the rate or the amount that we want. So really setting ourselves up physiologically is, is really, really important. It's also really important to remember that if you're not actually nourishing yourself in a way that's balanced, of course, you're going to be more propelled to eat because you're going to be craving more things. If someone is just eating grilled chicken mm -hmm. breasts and seeing broccoli, which is protein and some carbohydrates, that's actually not going to be very satisfying, right? Because there's also no fat in there and there's no satiety. So we need to make sure that- Wait, you're you're going to be so excited about this. I, I had the bonsai chickpea pasta last night with chicken and broccoli and Parmesan, like a little like, Parmesan sauce. It was fantastic. Oh my God, it's so I good. I like you'd be so proud I, of I am so proud. I love hearing that. And the reason that she's bringing that up is because bonsai is, is a pasta. And no, I do not work with them, although I would love to. Um, it is um, <laughs> made solely from chickpea flour. So there's a lot of protein, a lot of fiber that really helps to anchor our blood sugar. And that's really the key when it comes to regulating our health and also certainly our appetite. So whatever we, we eat, we want all three macronutrients, which is fat, carbohydrates, and protein represented, okay? Otherwise, you're going to not be satisfied with your meal, and you're going to reach for um, something sugary and delicious and just like that quick hit an hour after you've eaten like a, well, a, a rounded meal, and you don't want that. So you really want to set up your body so you're not doing that, right? And you're also, if you're eating in a really well-rounded way, you are nourishing your microbiome so that the synthesis of those neurotransmitters that we need is really working well. You're also doing it so the hormones that regulate our appetite are kind of kept in check, namely being insulin. And you're really um, setting up that good feedback about feeling good, feeding your body really well. That's not to say that you should be without sugar completely or that you need to lead this monastic life. I think that that's a lot of things that a lot of coaches, dietitians, functional medicine doctors really miss. And I think it's a, it's a major, major shortcoming. And that is we don't live in these isolation boxes. I mean, now certainly we do more than we ever had. We don't live in these bubbles. So much of life, so much of joy is connecting with friends, is celebrating milestones and birthdays. And part of that is going food. out to eat, right? I'm Italian, so I don't know if it's just it's me. It's definitely but. not just you. Some of our fondest memories in life, not just me and you, but but humans, is a meal we had to celebrate an anniversary or being in Italy or wherever we traveled. Oh my God, do you remember that meal on XYZ, right? So much of how we connect with ourselves, with other people is through food. So if you are going on this diet that's only, you're only allowed to have XYZ and cook this, this, and this, that that, that kind of disallows you to interact and to celebrate things with your friends, that's not a nourishing right. diet either, right? So it's really the balance of making sure that when you choose to indulge in things that are more comfort-like, you're doing it intentionally. There's nothing wrong with eating those kind of foods, but celebrate it. Recognize that it's a treat. Savor each bite. Be present to the moment. Put down your phone. Really be present and taste the cupcake, right? Otherwise, what's the point? So I... 
just to give an example, guys, I used to eat like Fig Newtons or a banana or something in the morning with my coffee. And then I would around, say, like 1 or 2 p.m., I would come out of my cave and be like, oh, my God, I'm dying of starvation. I'm like shaky. I don't feel well. And so Jillian taught me that that actually is the wrong way to eat, that I need to have almond butter if I'm having a banana. Now I do oatmeal with nuts and blueberries or fruit on top. And so that is like so high protein. That breakfast has me feeling great, like no bloating, full energy. And I love it. It tastes so good with the almond butter and the nuts in there for like texture and flavor. And it's still sweet and it's delicious, but I can work almost all day till dinner. And not that everybody should do that, but but I don't feel shaky anymore. Amazing. And, and the reason Nicole is feeling shaky and not just Nicole, but like if we're not eating, if we're just carbohydrate loading, right, our blood sugar is not going to be stable. And it's like, I didn't realize I was carbohydrate loading. It was a banana. I didn't right, think that was right. bad. <laughs> and it's not necessarily bad, but adding some fat and protein to that to make it more well-rounded, which stabilizes your blood sugar so you can coast more comfortably throughout the day. And so you can look skinnier. <laughs> yes. And, and, and it's also like, even if, even if people are scared of adding the extra calories of the oven butter or whatever it is to the banana, it actually hormonally is actually, you will get thinner from adding it, even though the calorie add doesn't make sense in your mind, what you're doing, the, the hormonal hack that you're doing actually results in a leaner body. And one thing I've heard that you confirmed that I thought was interesting is that if you live your life in such a restrictive format, sometimes, you know, that the mental anguish that you go through to live that restrictive diet can cause you to binge eat and just totally wreck any progress that you've had. And then I think when you start binge eating, I mean, I notice I'll get on like a train of it. I won't do it once. I'll like binge for a few days until I'm like, oh, got to hop back on the diet or whatever. A hundred percent. And really, I think another like really tweak is not really necessarily thinking about it as a diet, right? And taking away the fact that you can't have like a cupcake every whenever you want. And that doesn't mean, do I think that people should have a cupcake after lunch and dinner every day? No, not if it does, that, that does not align with a lot of people's goals or their health or what they want to look like superficially. But allowing yourself and knowing that it's available to you allows yourself to know that when you actually are presented with a cupcake, you know that you can have one and that there will be another one. It's not a scarce resource. So you don't need to have one and have the entire box of them. And maybe next week you'll want to have one again or whatever it is. And you're allowed to do that. Or it's summer and you want to go to the soft serve ice cream spot. And like, you haven't been there in a while and it reminds you of your childhood. Like, Is it open? Because <laughs> I'll see you there. <laughs> I, I know, right? Sign me up. Um, knowing that things are a scarce resource and that scarcity abundance mindset is a really, really powerful tool to, to remember and to fall back on. If we look at certain food items as scarce, the way that our mind works, we're more inclined to want to hoard it, right? Look at what happened with even hand sanitizer, yeah. right? Scarce resource, people Toilet want more paper. of it. It's the same thing with food. Exactly. It's the same thing with food and bench food. So if you know that you're able to have it and you're allowing yourself the beauty and that gift of some of a treat, like it makes it less, there's a less immediate need to want to eat all of it and binge on all of it when it's presented yes. to you. I think that's such good advice. And so just to round out everything you said, so the number one best piece of advice to keep your summer bod and still eat during this really stressful, weird-ass time that we're living in is to make sure that you eat a balanced diet with all of your macronutrients. Is that correct? Yes, definitely. And number two, be self-compassionate, right? If you do, if you ate a little bit more than you wanted to or you did binge or whatever it is, don't throw it up. Good. I'm just kidding. Throw it up, number one. <laughs> but nothing good has ever come from beating yourself up after doing that. 
it's already done, right? It's done. So you can either treat yourself with kindness and know that you're going to actually work to tune in with your body and be, and, and do better and act kinder to your body tomorrow. Or you can beat yourself up and feel like shit, like whichever you choose, having eaten that is not changing. That's not changing. It's done. And it actually has an effect on your body is what you're saying. hundred percent. You're, if you beat yourself up, you're creating this dangerous space. Your body doesn't know the difference. So your body hears and feels negativity. It secretes the hormones which are inflammatory. You can end up gaining weight. Not so like weight. I can kind of think myself thin too, right? <laughs> you actually can. <laughs> you actually can. You can. Sh- everyone can change their neurochemistry. It's not easy, but neuroplasticity, you can oh definitely rewire your response. I just thought of thin. our next episode, how to think yourself thin. I'm in. So obviously I it. think people are going to love this. This was so, so helpful. Jillian, will you... Of course. Thank you so much Will for you tell me. our listeners where they can find you? I'm sure some people will want to touch Sure. You. I am. Please. I am on Instagram at, at Jillian Tuckman. And um, my website is workyourgenes.com. I would be psyched to hear from all of you. Not like the jeans that you squeeze in. Not like the jeans, <laughs> but work your jeans with a G to work your jeans with a J is how I always say it. I love that. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming on today. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. And girls, just so you remember, don't forget to hit subscribe and leave us five stars. You can add us on Instagram at DJ Nicole Rose at Sub Babe Pod. And we are on here every Monday, Wednesday, and Fridays. So don't forget to check in again soon. Thanks so much for listening. XOXO. XOXO.